Welcome to the Town Talk Sports El Paso, Texas High School Football Roundtable, reviewing week three and looking ahead to a loaded week four schedule. I'm Alex Nicolás, along with Power Serge Robali. Serge, what's going on, my man? Excited for this week. And the coach, Tony Grohava, coach, yes, been waiting for this week for a while. It's oh, obviously yeah. obviously later in the season is more important, but week four, I mean, there's a lot of games this week to look forward to. Well, you, you can't ask for anything better. When, when you have out-of-town teams playing against uh, against local team, it makes you a better competition. And in yeah. here at the house as well, that's what makes it exciting. We'll get yes. to that in a minute. What we're going to be talking about today, we're going to run down the just production that the America's Trailblazers are doing on both sides of the ball. We're going to talk about Franklin and, and their ceiling, not only this year, but we're going to look a little bit ahead to the playoffs here because we can do that. We we'll to also talk about El Dorado's offense in District 15A D1. We'll get Serge and Coach's key takeaway from Week 3, and then we're going to get into that Week 4 preview. So let's get going. Aaron Dumas, 373 yards. That's not his career high rushing, by the way, but he did set a career high rushing in seven with seven touchdowns. Serge, you know, I don't know if you've seen Dumas this year, but I mean, you've seen him over the over the past year and a half, year and a quarter, year and one eighth. You know, just your thoughts on what was just a tremendous I, I, I performance. His record was what three seventy three seventy seven, and, and that was his first game as a sophomore, <laughs> his first varsity game yeah. ever. You know, what, what, what are your thoughts on, 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 you know, when you first saw the seven touchdowns first all, I mean, wow. I mean, it, it's not often, I mean, you mentioned it, uh, it's the second time that's happened, the right. third time, really, if you, the Fabens kid. Got to give the county I, love. Yeah, you got to <laughs> give the county love. So, the Fabens kid in 99 set the record with eight rushing touchdowns. So, this ties the second most in the county area with seven. And the last, the last guy, the guy he tied, he did it in 1980. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, the kid is just... I, unbelievable and not only that coach but that offensive line the well-oiled machine and not only that but they have a quarterback they have a passing game as well well they have pretty much all it takes really offensively Alex when when you look at uh, you know last year I mean they were young last year most of these kids are, are juniors now so you know they still have one more year to look forward to, but that's that'll that'll be in the future. But you know, what once once they start gelling, and you can tell, we could tell the first week of the season that you know they had that that chemistry. They had the chemistry uh, that that you need as a as a team as a contender. And I think you know right now for America, the sky's the limit. And even with a new quarterback, I mean, you, you overlooked in that ball game was Ryan Acosta, eight catches, one hundred sixty one yards. Um, it, we saw that in Week One against Eastwood. It's just it's kind of pick your poison, and not only that, but I mean in the games like this week with, with Tascosa where you know Dumas is going to be featured, but you also have that in your back pocket, and that parlays into being competitive in the playoffs. Well, it certainly does. And, you know, we all know what Dumas can do. That, that's that's a given. But, uh, you know, Noel and uh, and Acosta, and there's a couple of other receivers that are that are Hugh Drennan and, and, and uh, the big kid Chislam as well as the outside guy. Exactly. So, you know, all the weapons are there. It's 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 a pick or poison. You know, whenever whatever's working offensively, you know, I mean, I would love to be offensive coordinator <laughs> on that team and, and have all those all those weapons. Dumas, so far this season on the ground, 83 carries, 771 yards. That's 9.3 per pop. 13 touchdowns, almost half of them, more than more than half of those of his total season touchdowns were scored last week. So pick your poison and stop it as you're looking down at this America's receiving core and their burning back spot and their offensive line. But to me, the most impressive thing, we always talk about offense, Coach, but the defense, 28 sacks. We saw them bust out in game one, even game two, you know, against Midland Christian. They still got theirs, I believe. You know, obviously you could do the math of 28, you know, with that. But, I mean, it, it's a strength, and they do it with their front four. 
they do it with the front four, and, and what they do is they put pressure. You know, uh, in the past, America's was always the type of team that liked to bring linebackers. But you see them this year, they're not bringing the linebackers that much. You know, they're they're doing it with the front four. But they're you look at their secondary. Their secondary is so talented, and and they they they're so they're so crisp in what they do with their footwork. You know, it, it's hard to find the seam in there. And then you add the linebackers dropping underneath the receivers. That makes it doubly tough. And you know, we're big history buffs, Serge. Uh, Serge, when it comes to Texas high school football in this town, I mean, is there a defense that you know Coach Grohava has said? I have a couple of the Black Swarm yes. back in the day, but there are a couple of defenses that you know you look at the, at the stats and you look at at what the, the pleasure they have. Does it remind you of anything, or could this be one of the best defenses we've seen in I town. I think this could be one of the best defenses we've seen in this town. Um, to me, personally, being any Slatter grad, uh, I remember my junior year, we had a defense that was shedding out most opponents. Uh, we only, we, we had 60 sacks on the year with and never blitz. We we relied on the front four, too. Had 35 takeaways. But even that, uh, America's is already at 29 sacks on the season. They're more than, they're pretty much at, at the halfway point. Three weeks into the season, they're going to they're going to shatter what East Leta, that Isleta defense did. Probably shatter some of the things your Black Swarm defenses did. You know, look, we, we, we're ta- obviously right now they're third in the nation. We're, we're really looking at the pastures, but what we and Coach were really impressed on was that secondary. Yes. You know, that was something that you could pick your poison any side. They got length. They got speed. They, they play with leverage. They're smart. You know, if we talk about history, I haven't seen a secondary just athletic. And Coach, see if you remember that the, the year after Andres left from 5A to 4A, I mean, we went to 4A, and, and I think there was less than 100 points scored that year, and there was talent everywhere. Yes. It, their secondary really reminds me of those old Andres secondaries, and there's just there's a lot of speed. And not only that, but they're smart football being played out there by those kids and i think that's the key they're, they are being smart they are experienced and they close on the ball you know and, and when you're that aggressive and take those chances you know good things are going to happen we seems like we've been talking about these two six eight teams for a while and it's like we can't wait till october 10th yeah. let's transition to franklin you know it's it's just a simple question you know it, it's we know they're ceiling in town it's going to come down to October 10th. Who's going to be the district one, six, eight champion. Uh, you know, it's hard. I mean, Pebble Hills too. That's another big game on Sat- uh, Saturday game. I think November 2nd, that's another challenge for them, but mm-hmm. looking forward to the playoffs last year, they took care of business in, in, in round one. They got an easy matchup with Midland. How high is their ceiling coach? Well, playoffs. It, talk, talking about yeah, playoffs. Yeah, playoff wise. I mean, a lot also has to do with the brackets and, and how things work out, uh, you know, after the seedings and, and so forth. I mean, you know, the advantage that the, Franklin has or America, so, you know, whoever comes in first, they're the advantage that they have in the first round is they play the lower seed of the of two six a, and I think that will become an advantage. Now you go from there, and then after that, you you just it's just a matter of seeding and the brackets and, and see who, who comes up. But you know, if you look at this Franklin team, uh, they've always been good on, on offense. You know, they've always had the power on offense, but now what you see is you see them stepping up defensively. Yes, and when you step up defensively and you have that complete team, uh, which I think Franklin is getting close to, then you know you've got all the advantage in the world. And, and you mentioned the two six a, it's 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 down two six a, it's it's a little bit down this it year. Yeah. Permian's rebuilding. I thought Odessa High was maybe a little bit better for some of the early wins. Um, you know, obviously Midland, Franklin took care of Midland, mm-hmm. Tascosa. I'm still the jury's still out on them. We'll yes. find out about yes, them this will. week. But I mean, you're looking at two six a, sirs. I mean, you would figure Franklin. That's you know, it should be an easy win for them. And then yeah. well, obviously we'll get into the area around here. But I mean, it just seems like that that 
by district championship is pretty much in the bag no yeah, matter two, who they match two, up six with. Two six A is basically Midland Lee and everybody else. Right, right now. I agree. Exactly. Midland Lee is the only team that that you're you're scared of, and neither Franklin or Americans is going to see them in the exactly. first round exactly. because they're going to be the higher seed of either the big school or, or lower right. school brackets, and they're not going to they're not going to see Midland Lee. So we know that they get to avoid the Rebels, but it's it's who they get from the Metroplex once the seeding comes out in the area around that that's going to determine how how far they can go. And right now you want to stay away from Lamar. You want to stay away from yes. Arlington Martin. You want to stay away from Arlington. I'm even Trimble Tech. Arlington Bowie is another one of those those schools out of District 4, 5A. And that's not taking away nothing from District 3, 5A. But, I mean, those are usually the schools that you play. Montwood just played Arlington, uh, you know, a couple years ago. I think the same deal with when, when the Eastwood was in 6A. They played an Arlington-level team. But, right. you know, when you get to that third round with that experience, it makes it a lot easier to prepare. Not only that, they were in the same situation last year as well. Yeah, and that's you know that that's why they call uh, you know Region One the toughest uh, yeah. the toughest region in uh, in high school football, and it's because you have all these all these good teams. You know, w- the further you get, obviously, the better the competition gets. But from coming from here from El Paso, you know, you're going to get that in the second round. And just talking about what was really what, another thing that's impressive about Franklin, it seems like ever since last year throw anybody behind in the running back position and they're going to run for 200 yards. Yeah, yeah. It was the Sutton kid last week that ran for 221. You know, they just keep coming up with the, with the guys that just make plays and that is a good problem to have if you're coach at Darren Walker. No, well, it's, it's a great problem to have. And when, what you look at, at you know, the, the difference I think to me is that, you know, they can throw the ball. Everybody knows they can throw the ball. But, you know, what that does is that, that that's, that's t- starting to set up the run. The run game, and I think that's why the run game now. Uh, you know, I mean, last last year they had a pretty good run game. You know, this year I think it's a little bit better, and you still have those weapons uh, with the receivers, uh, with Hack and uh, uh, Stonewall. You know those 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 types of receivers are their possession receivers. And then the way that yeah. Danny Walther has played almost at an MVP level, it, it it just becomes him. It's more of of managing the game, but also producing him being the player of the week like he was last week. I think he's the most accurate quarterback in the El Paso County area. Yeah. Without a doubt. He's just he connects and he, he doesn't throw behind the receivers. He always gets them when they're he leads them so they're they can still run and get yards after the catch. And that just always makes an offense that much more dangerous when you can do that. And obviously lots of lots of time, lots of games. Anything can happen between and now, but you know, just looking at it, that's what we do here. We're gonna look ahead at the playoffs. We're media guys. We're gonna go <laughs> to that left field and you're looking at district three five eight. Trinity starts off three and Weatherford, uh, this is a program that that to me traditionally is always good. They're starting off to three and Um, you know, L D Bell back in the mix again at two and one. Haltom City, that's a team that that made a little run last year in the playoffs and then San Angelo Central. Those are teams that I think we could see Abilene having a down year after they've been right. they've been competitive the past couple of years, but um, you know, real real interesting to see those matchups for Frank. That's going to be key. I think this is a third, maybe a fourth round team. I got the days off at work to travel, so <laughs> you know that we're, we're, that shows you our expectations here yeah. of where they're going to go. So looking at another team that's zero and three on the season, but has really they've just jumped out of me offensively, coach. And we saw Chris Bustillos wow. last year uh, for the El Dorado Aztecs, and you could see him starting to gel into that office and this year he's taken it to another level first two games over 190 yards and 100 yards uh, rushing uh, obviously having touchdowns and then last week was which was more impressive Andres hadn't allowed a touchdown drive since the opening drive with Coronado and he just threw 373 yards and he gave the Eagles fits I mean what does that tell you from a coach's standpoint of his development from year one in the system to now year two where it's not only that he has weapons yeah and and he has a lot of confidence too and and he's he's one he's what you would call a true 
dual threat quarterback because that's that's what he that's basically what he's learned to do and and I think the more confidence he, he gets and then of course you, you know you you've got once again the offensive line that they're starting to understand you know what this offense is all about and and once you get into that comfort zone and I think they're hitting that yes they're on three but uh, you know like you said there are athletes around him and uh, they can explode at any time looking at the district that they're playing obviously it's it's a quote unquote down year to start for district one five a d one obviously like me and coach talked about last week the scheduling has a, a parlays into that yes. but El Dorado coming into the season we didn't know much about him we knew Bustillos was going to be there we knew that year two in the Tela system but you know I feel and maybe you feel the same Serge that you know this is a team that can really contend and push a Eastwood push a Del Valle in a tough district game later in the season yeah I mean this is a, a down year for Del Valle they don't have they have to they have to rely more on the running game this year than they have in the past and that that's going to slow down their offense from what we're used to seeing from the Conquistadores mm-hmm. but oh uh, but <laughs> I think El Dorado can push them, and I think they 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 they're the one school, uh, uh, them and Eastlake that can challenge Eastwood for that district title and in one five eight D one D one. I like Chris Martin. I like Chris Harris. The guy that had a breakout game last week um, was the I think I guess when one of our broadcasters was talking about their Lionel Mesa tight end Darius Nelson belt Nelson Betts. You know, th- coach. There's a lot of different things that you can do, and I I really think they're just kind of getting started yeah. because of what we saw last year with with, with Bustier. Last year, they were more of a, they ran a lot of RPOs. You know, they were trying to get him in space, but now it looks like he's more of a pocket passer. He can read the defense a little better. That gives you a lot of options. And then also, too, you know, you can't just look at one particular film if you're at Eastwood or somebody preparing for them. And that makes him a little bit more dangerous, not only just from the talent, but having to prepare for so much talent to get after. Well, it, I mean, it certainly does. I, I saw their their film against uh, Coronado, and uh, they get Coronado fits. <laughs> they really did. Uh, not just Bustillos, but you know the the running game and uh, as well as the passing game. And once you have the, you know, like I said, once you have these athletes, you know, they they just have to gel together. And I think that's where they're headed. They're not quite there yet, but I think by by a district time. You know they're they're going to be a tough out every week. I think so too. I think that's definitely a team that we're going to keep an eye on. A team that's going to surprise some people. You just see them improving every every week, and it's good to see Cotelas get that program back. When I used yes. to sing El Dorado down, ever no. since El Dorado's been a program, they've been in the mix every year, whether it's that second place or that third place in district. But not only that, but in the playoffs too, they've compete in the playoffs. So and they also retired MJ McFarland's number. I, I thought that, that was pretty nice. Yeah. That the former yeah. Texas Longhorn and short time UTEP minor <laughs> AJ. <laughs> McFar- MJ McFarland. So shout out to the Aztecs of El Dorado. Serge, what was your key takeaway in week three besides the rain delays? Uh, you know, obviously that was going to happen. I, I enjoyed two bowls of spaghetti during the rain. That was one of my biggest takeaways. But, you know, looking at as far as just week three went, well, what's your key takeaway from week three? My key takeaway, uh, I was able to, to because my game got, unfortunately got canceled. I, I made my way over to Hutchins State and see the, the remainder of the Sleta Irvin game. And I uh, give props to Adrian Hawkins Castaneda, the quarterback for Isleta, who was out at early in the game because of an injury, came in and basically carried that team for a comeback victory. But also on the other side, Irvin's uh, Stiverson, that kid was just making yards and plays left and right as a receiver, as a running back. Whatever you asked him to do on offense and defense, he was making, getting it done. And he's the one that kept Irvin in the game. All four quarters. What Yesleta, obviously, it's almost the same situation as last year, their hot start, except they didn't get pushed 
till later in the season last year. Mm-hmm. Was that a positive thing for you Slater, to get pushed in week three by a young Irvin team? And do you feel like that's going to possibly be a turning point for the that, Indians? That could be the wake-up call they need to get them ready for Conotillo in Parkland, which last year they weren't pushed until they got Conotillo in the rain. And that was a close game that they just squeaked out of. And then the next week, Parkland just completely, you know, trashed them. And after that, they fell apart. Uh, but I think getting that early challenge by Irvin, and I think Irvin is a team that can challenge in, in District 1-5 and the 2-5A, D2, for the for a playoff spot this year. They're young, but they can still squeak into one of those four playoff spots because I think they have what it takes. I agree. You know, they have a, they have, a, they have another Nunston in the backfield. Yeah. John Nunston, he threw for five touchdowns. He's just a sophomore. They had a receiver that had a big game. He was a junior. Throw in the Stiverson kid, and, and yeah, I agree with you. I think that was a, not only a big game for your setup, but a big game for Irvin for them to grow up. Joe, you just trying to build that program with sophomores and juniors, and you have one senior that ha- it's a three-year three-year varsity yeah. player, but it's really good to see Irvin show some life. We really felt that, that was, this was going to be a down year for them, a down-down year, yeah. but now it looks like this is a team that can hover around 500 overall and then be a team that's a third, fourth place team that can push that first place team from district 15a so watch out for watch out of your Yusleta again you know, that could be a possible rematch uh you know even a horizon could possibly go in there parkland obviously a number one seed if they can slide in there so definitely something to keep an eye on coach what was your big takeaway from week three well you know we we uh we saw burgess and east lake uh last thursday and uh, you know it was very competitive game uh you know burgess came out on top but you know i was impressed with the east lake uh uh, overall team especially the offense mm. yeah I, I i just enjoyed watching them watching their their freestyle offense empty sets throwing the ball around you know throwing into windows you know uh orlando uh leave us you know he does a fantastic job running that offense and and he they've got some good receivers and you know they may be winless right now but that's another team i think you have to look out for in district one thing that you kept pointing out during our broadcast our three-quarter broadcast there at just <laughs> high school uh the way that he is pre-snap recognition in yes. that air raid. I mean, to me, that the physical tools of a 6'3", 200-pounder with a great arm, he can move around the pocket, but he knows what's happening before pre-snap, and you can't coach that, right? No, it's 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 hard to, you know, that this this comes from, from you know, the individual themselves being able to, under, first of all, you have to understand the offense, and you have to understand the defense on the field and what, you know, what they're going to give you and what they're not going to give you, or if they're going to bring pressure, you know, all that comes into play uh, all at one time but you know I, I think he has he has the uh, uh the idea to break that down before the ball is snapped which is a great advantage to have matt jones 11 catches 171 yeah. yards dane kirtley the 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 i was joking for the game we get to see dane kirtley the quarter uh, the receivers of the quarterback and wow you know there's talent yeah. there. they, they are a running game away from really yes, being a good, good offensive team. But at the same time, you have Olivas, you have those weapons, you have that system. It's a true air raid. You know, that's something, I mean, yeah, you see it at Eastwood, but to see the way that you said they were spreading out, going empty probably 40, 50% of the time, yeah. you know, it, it's good to see that. And in my opinion, Orion Olivas is a future FBS prospect. And I think he oh, showed that. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think he definitely showed that. And not only that, but, you know, talking about Burgess, that big win for them, that, that to me, that's kind of a program-defining win. Yes, yes. East Lake's down, it's 0-3, but, I mean, you're looking at East Lake, I mean, they've been probably the most consistent 5A team over the past six years. I think it was year two, year three, they hosted Lubbock Cooper and sent Cooper back with a big L. They've been right. competitive. And so for Coach Neil Brothers, I think that was a monumental win for him. You know, he was really excited after the game, you can he tell was. that. And and it's it's one of those things that it, it, it we're, ta- we're, we're really been talking about, Frank, 
Franklin Americas, but Andrews Burgess is coming up in a couple of weeks, coach. Yeah, that's the you know that's a matchup that uh, you know is going to be very interesting. But you know, l- looking at that at those teams on the field Thursday night, you couldn't tell which what the records no. were of those teams no. at all. You know, the, the, that was just very high level competition. Very, on, very uh, on both sides. It just so happened that you know Burgess scored a couple of more touchdowns more than than Eastlake. A couple of mistakes that were made, but you know you have to credit Burgess also, and and I think that's what that's why. Uh, the the Burgess team was so elated with that win. And it seemed like finally in that fourth quarter, the offensive line got going, Robert Hall got going. That's when Burgess is at their best. I mean, they have, they can, yeah. or switchblade offense, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they have a lot of different weapons. They're going to throw a lot of different formations. They shift a lot. They motion a lot. Yeah. They move guys. They go that double back. They go that two back set. They'll bring an H back in. They'll line up Jones in the slot. They'll line up Tavares right. Jones on the outside. So pick your poison with Burgess, a team that definitely is just continuing to get better each week. My biggest takeaway from week three was that Gano Theo defense. Um, you know, Mountain View's offense, I think, is an offense that's going to really be hard to stop because they, they play physical football. Yeah. It's one of those play-action-based football, but or play-action-based offenses, but I was really impressed with this Gano Theo defense, led by Josea Holloway. Had a big game in that one. You're talking about their linebackers, and it just they're a well, well-oiled machine, I think, defensively. You know, they struggled the first two weeks. They had points put on them. I don't necessarily look at points per game as a measure of a defense. Right. I look at what they did against Mountain View and really shut them out for, for three and a half, three almost three and a half quarters and you know they really stood out to us coach well they, they certainly did and you know i mean scott brooks you know he he likes to emphasize that defensive play and and rightfully so and right now uh you know he's got personnel in the in the right place like you mentioned holloway and uh, you know some of the uh, some of the other uh linebackers and th- they just play hard-nosed defense and they're very aggressive and it's going to be real tough when they get into district uh, you know, I, I think their defense is going to carry them. But on the other hand, you know, I, I was, I was kind of surprised with their offensive mm-hmm. production. They, they, they did a good job offensively also. You have Caleb Rodriguez making plays. Yeah. They, they didn't do anything. Yeah. It was all short passes, but they got their tight ends involved. The receivers were getting involved in that as well. And that was a perfect game to work that. We know what Connell Deal is going to do. They're going to give it to number 11. Right. You know, he got a, a week off last week. You know, he didn't play. I thought he got in the game with 21. I called his name, but I kept saying, oh, it's two yards. And look, he's on the sideline. But uh, <laughs> with the backpack on it, yeah, I was wrong. That, that's a big mistake. That's a, that's a early season play-by-play mistake. But, you know, nonetheless, I mean, we know the offense is going to be built around him. But yeah. on those third and five situations, those third and four situations, and I'm not talking about week four against Parkland. I'm talking about an area-round playoff game. That's the type of level that we feel Connell Deal has because of a motto, you know, that's going to be important. Not only that, they played Del Valle this week, which we're going to get to, Serge, but to have that passing game, you know, to be able to warm that up, you know, basically in a playoff-type atmosphere against your rival this week. You have to have a, a somewhat of a passing attack in, in, in this day and age. You can't just rely on the run. Uh, as it's great to have a great running game, but like you said, when you have those third and five, third and sixes, this is when you need that passing attack to be able to answer because your running back may not always get you the the six, seven yards in that first down to get you second and, and a doable third and short or situations. So you need to have a passing attack. Also, if they're all, if if they know you're going to run the ball, they're going to stack up the box. You got to be able to surprise them with a little play action, and if you can do that, then they'll they'll have to you'll keep that defense honest and. That'll come in handy not only this week against the Vibe, but also once district play comes and that, that big Cano Theo Parkland matchup uh, happens in, in uh, 1 5A. 
looking ahead in District 1, 5AD2. Look, I don't think the Eagles are my big takeaway from Week 3. Let's transition into an exciting slate Week 4. It gets underway 4 o'clock p.m. at the SAC, Odessa and Montwood. Coach, your thoughts on this one? Well, uh, you know, it's I mean, like I said, I, I always like to see these these teams from the Permian Basin come in and, uh, you know, see what kind of uh, uh, competition they have, the offensive schemes and so forth. O- Odessa, you know, they, they've been struggling for a long time. Uh, I think the last time they made the playoffs was quite I think back when I was coaching was the last time they made the playoffs. But, you know, they're going to they're going to compete against the Mountwood uh, team that uh, uh, was it Mountwood that they play. Yeah, it's Mountwood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, that's still has some question marks. Yeah. Of course, Mountwood, you know, they've had a tough schedule so they far. They really have. And and so now now they're home. And and we're, we're going to see how they how they can experience now playing at home even though they're they're up against a some tough competition. Offensively, Mountwood has weapons. Sebastian Galvan, the quarterback's kind of edged himself as the guy there. Aaron Morales, the wide receiver has put up big games, a young junior receiver, I do believe. And then obviously Chris Ramos is one of the most experienced players yeah. on that roster, but you know, that the, the big thing for me is defensively with Mountwood. You know, they've allowed, you know, they're up 21-7 against uh, against Los Fresnos and Fresno Los Fresno scores 28 unanswered, I think, in the fourth quarter. And then last week, I mean, you know, it, it's a buzzsaw with Midland Lee, you know what I mean? But defensively, I think, Serge, that's kind of where Montwood needs to work out the kinks. Yeah, I think they need to figure themselves out. They need to um, uh, find a little confidence because they're yeah. lacking that confidence. After they jumped out to a nice lead on Los Fresnos and then gave up all those unanswered points. And, and, and then, then next week, give a 50 60 East Lake. The next, the very next week, you go 50 60 East Lake, 72 to Midland Lee, but we know they're a, a state title contender. Yeah. So, um, but still, I mean, it's three weeks in a row uh, from the second half of the Los, for the Los Fresnos game, and then the last two games, all those points that they've given up defensively, they need to find something to boost their confidence because if they get, they're going to give up points like that come district time, they're not going anywhere. Four o'clock on the Montwood Channel. That one gets going. Monster Medina and Christian Molinar on the uh, Molinar on the call. And then after that one, one of the more interesting games of the week. And I'm not a big trap guy type of, <laughs> you know, looking at games, but you know, this is a trap game kind of for Franklin in the sense they've had a tough schedule. They've dominated through it. Everybody knows that. El Dorado, like we talked about earlier, 0 and 3. They've had a tough schedule, but they're getting better. You know, that's a game. I think as a coach, you're you're kind of pushing your your guys if you're Franklin a little bit extra than you would the previous couple of weeks. Exactly. You know, you 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 tell your kids, you know, we played hard for three weeks now, and uh, you know, don't think that this is an off week because if you do, then you're going to get caught. You know, the, if there's an important week this week, I mean, it's this week that, you know, you've got to be ready to play. And you have, you face an El Dorado team that, that's hungry. Let's face it. They are hungry. Mm-hmm. They played well. They're 0-3. Their record does, doesn't really tell, you know, how – what kind of athletes they actually have. I mean, if the kids are not, you know, in the trap game, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I was going to take Thursday off. <laughs> you know, I was, th- that was a seven thirty game and we we're going to do two on Friday. So I figured, ah, you know, I'll take Thursday out. But when that, when I saw that score, they put up Andres, I, I got to see, I got to see Franklin first of all, haven't seen Franklin this year then, but I got to see this El Dorado offense. And I think if they can string a couple, a couple of drives early and not so much drives, but I think their key in this one, busting a big play, yes. you know, getting Franklin to kind of, whoa, you know, exactly. you know, your first, two plays you know run short pass and all of a sudden you have that play in your back pocket and you hit him over the top or somebody makes a big play that I think is a, is a 
what I'm looking for in that game. And then not only that, but defensively, getting some turnovers. I know Eldorado's defense hasn't been up to par, but if they can string together a couple of Franklin turnovers, it's going to be tough because Franklin plays smart football. Yes, That's going to be the key to Eldorado. I mean, Franklin, I, I would put them right now as maybe a 20-point favorite. You know, if I'm setting a line, you know, for my predictions, I'd go Franklin by 20. But that's a loose 20. That's Eldorado fighting the first half and then Franklin pulling away for some Eldorado mistakes. But if Eldorado plays well, they hit him with that big shocking play early on in the game, would not surprise me to see that one be a little closer. Yeah, well, you know, what the coaches worry about right now is everything's gone well for Franklin so far. Mm-hmm. Everything's gone yeah, well. Yep. They, there's been no setbacks. There's been no uh, bad plays, nothing. Yeah, Everything's great. Life is great. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you know, that's going to change. Yes. And it, they, the coaches don't want it to be this week. Yeah. So, you know, that I think that's that's the key to the, and the main idea to their preparation this week. But but if it does happen this week and El Dorado steps up and, and starts giving them some adversity, it is going to be key to see how those kids do oh, respond to that adversity because they're we already talked about that big matchup coming up in October between Franklin and Americas, and there's going to be a ton of adversity in that one. Yes. So keeping – Keeping on with week four, we're going to move on to Friday night, the first game that we have here on the slate. East Lake at Coronado, two teams looking to really find themselves out, Coach. Yeah, they certainly are. And, you know, I think at Coronado right now, a little bit of a question mark defensively. Uh, You know, they're struggling. Of course, they're young. You know, last year's team was senior. Stacked (laughs) defensively. On defense. And, and of course, we talked about East Lake already. You know, they they like like to run their their offense. You know, they like to go no huddle. They like to press the tempo. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what what type of uh, job that Coronado can do to at least slow down the East Lake offense. And Coronado's going to have to put up points in that game. That's a game really offensively. They're, you know, they're going to have to pick their poses. They're going to play keep away. They're going to be able to run the ball with Samaniego. Are they going to be able to? To, to sustain drive that's going to be huge in that one to see how they're able to fix that's that this is going to be a carbon copy of what they're going to face in district coach exactly. as far as defensively exactly. and, and the type of athletic teams that are there uh-huh. so this is a really really good litmus test to see how far coronado has gone particularly against that spread offense so that's an interesting game there san angelo central at pebble hills that gets going at 4 p.m and those two teams have played each other fairly close fairly well over the past couple years san angelo central and pebble hills they met in that by district game in 2017 the game was so good they scheduled each other for right. two more yeah. years i'm really excited to see this pebble hills offense coach well i am you know against a a very good san angelo central defense because san angelo central you know if they're going to hang their head on something it, in the past it's been defense you know they, they like to play hard nosed defense uh pebble hills has a lot of weapons offensively we've seen them you know now can they consistently uh, attack a defense like like san angelo central i think it's going to come down to whoever can control the tempo and whoever can, can actually control the ball and, and the time. San Angelo Central is one and two on the season. They beat Colleen or they lost to Colleen Shoemaker 54 21 in the opener, took care of Del Rio 52 to 10. And then last week, a close game against 5A Power Cedar Park in overtime. That was at home. So they got to hit the road this week to Pebble Hills. And that's going to be a real interesting game to see if, like Coach said, if that defense can hang because Sebastian Ochoa has been putting up just ridiculous video game numbers and also the Isaiah Davis kid as well. Yeah, I, I honestly foresee this being one of those back and forth. High scoring affairs mm-hmm. where the final score is going to be like 45 to 42 or something like that. My stat sheet will be ready. I got that <laughs> one at 4 o'clock Friday night. I'll be ready. My speaker rock stat sheet will 
be ready. Let's talk about the second game. Let's. I mean, I kind of wanted to save it for last because it is. I, we don't do a game of the night at Town Talk Sports El Paso, folks. Every game we do is the game of the night or game of the week. But Tascosa and Amarillo, uh, Tascosa and Americas, excuse me, Amarillo, Tascosa and Americas. This really is. I wouldn't want to say the first test for Americas because they played Eastwood, which was a big test, um, you know, but this is legitimately a playoff type of atmosphere test for, for the, for the Blazers coach. Well, it is. Uh, I mean, in Tesco's is not the same team that, that, uh, uh, that went far in the playoffs last year, final they, four, final four team. They, uh, but they do have some athletes. And then the other challenge is uh, that triple option offense that they run, you know, you have to be disciplined to be able to run that. You can't just rush straight up the field. You know, America's is is so aggressive defensively. You know, I mean, you can you can tell by the number of sacks they have. You know, they have to be careful with with this type of an offense, uh, the, this triple option, because you can't really you know run up the field on it and, and play out of control. You have to play disciplined football. Gap responsibility is key with yep. stopping those kinds of offenses, which we don't see very often anymore. These exactly, days. stopping that fullback that's also key in that offense. So looking at their the only the only stats that they've updated is when they played Abilene, um, you know, 300 yards on the ground. You know, you're talking about that's that's going to be their game. You know, it looks like mm-hmm. the quarterback is going to be a big key in that. Joseph Plunk, he's going to be a big key in stopping him. Obviously, like I mentioned the fullback, but, you know, this is a different makeup of this yes. of this Tascosa team. I think last year they had two, maybe even three running backs. So it's mm-hmm. really going to kind of test, uh, test America's not only – on the field, but I think during the week of preparation, that'll kind of tell us how far this America's team is. Not only we know how good they are physically, but from a focus and and being coachable with Patrick Melton, who's a veteran and, and always has a really good game plan. Yeah, well, he does, and and I think what the the key is going to be uh, the offense for America's. Um, I'm sure, as everybody here knows, I'm sure Amarillo Tescosa has heard of Aaron Dumas also. Right, <laughs> his uh, picture might be up in their <laughs> locker room somewhere yeah. this week. So everywhere Aaron Dumas goes, you you can you can pretty much bet that the the Tescosa defense will be there. the 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 advantage to that is, as we talked about earlier, uh, America's is not a one trick pony. They've got some athletes on there, and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, how they run their offense and what what they what they plan to attack defensively against Tascosa. Next game on the schedule: Parkland at Chapin. That's a seven o'clock start at Irvin. Serge, we mean coach talked about last week that we were looking for Parkland to put together a complete victory against Jeff. They did that. Um, now against Chapin, who has a really good defense offensively, Chapin's still trying to figure it out. But really for Parkland, I think this may be the best defense they've faced so far this year. Yeah. Well, when I got to see Chapin, unfortunately, week uh, week one was against Midland Christian, which is a loaded team. They they played all three of their quarterbacks. Right. All three quarterbacks just moved the ball up and down the field and scored at will against the uh, Chapman. But Chapman's a very young team that's still growing. Uh, offensively, especially, the, most of their weapons are sophomores mm-hmm. and juniors. Their quarterback is a sophomore. Coach, this is, uh, Coach Hernandez, uh, talking to him at the beginning of the year, said, this is this is a rebuilding year. This yeah. is going to be just growing into we have no stars on our team, especially on offense. It's just ball control and try to figure out how to – how to get something going. So the key is if they can make some plays against the Parkland defense, they'll have a shot. But Parkland, offensively, they're loaded as they have been. They may not have Deion Hankins anymore, but they're still loaded on that offense. They still have Gabe Herrera, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the city. And I think uh, if he gets it going in the first quarter, I don't 
I'm not sure if Chapin will be able to figure him out. I agree. And, and you know, we, me and Coach talked about Jonathan Barton. Uh, you know, Deion Hankins is quote-unquote replacement. He had 100 yards last week against Jeff. So that's the, what we wanted to see, the confidence for for uh, for Parkland in a winnable game. This is another quote-unquote winnable game. But I think they're going to get pushed a little bit by Chapin. But, yeah, Chapin just right now offensively, that's really their role right now. They, they're not going to be able to hang with a team that could score in the 40s at this point. A game that both of these training staffs really need to get the ice bags ready for Saturday because Del, Del Valle and Conaltheo, Oh boy, that's going to be a physical, physical game, Coach. Two good defenses, two good running games. I think it's going to come down to big plays, honestly. It's going to be one to the line of scrimmage, but the difference in the game is going to be who's going to allow that big play, whether it's special teams turnover, whether it's a special teams return, or somebody bust a big run in that one. Joe Serrano will see where his health is at. We didn't see him in that second half against, or or really the third quarter or the second quarter on when they played Central. Didn't look at the stats this week, but it's going to be that the Del Valle's running game against Carlos Amado. Well, it is, and as you mentioned, uh, the key is going to be the line of scrimmage. And uh, w- once once they figure out how to attack each team, attack the line of scrimmage, th- then you look at the athletes. And as you said, you have Serrano on one side, you have Amado on the other. So you know it's it's going to be a knockdown, drag out. You know, very few. I, I don't see them throwing the ball much uh, in this game. It's, it's just it's just going to be on the ground, and uh, we'll see who's tough enough to win. And looking at Del Valle's stats. Um Entering after last week, well, they didn't enter last week's stats that we're looking at here. So, you know, that's going to be a question. Well, Joe Serrano, he's a big playmaker for them. You know, yes. he's their best offensive player right now. We do see a little uh, developmental going on with Sebastian Carr and Gabe Rodriguez. Yes. That's going to be a big key. But, you know, traditionally, Serge, I mean, this kind of Theo Del Valle matchup is huge. And this year, you know, you got Del Valle trying to rebuild with personnel wise they're still competitive and then kind of feel when we really feel they're the sixth best team in the city I mean, before before the the division one and division two development that happened last year these were two schools that were always going for the district title yep. in, in the old district two five a before there was a division one and division two so they have a history there and this is the classic the way the vice set up this year this is the classic three clouds and three yards in a cloud of dust that's uh, correct ten, ten a matchup that you're going to see to the um, this week, looking at it from a coaching angle, uh, coaching angle standpoint, in this one, you got the veteran staff at at Canotillo, and then you have first year head coach Rudy Contreras. But I mean, most of his staff is there. Still you there. know, how big would this win be for confidence wise for that staff? Because it's going to be a chess match. It's yeah. going to be won by that one adjustment or that one call or that one perfect timeout to set something up, coach. Yeah. How big would this be for Del Valle's coaching staff? Who's you know, the kids are looking for confidence, but I think you know, as coaches, you probably start questioning yourself too after three losses even though we know why Del Valle has lost those three games but how big could this be confidence wise for Del Valle's coaching staff yeah the, well this could springboard them yeah, I agree into district and you know and, and beyond and one of the things that uh, uh, the coaching staff for Del Valle is looking at is you know trying to make adjustments because this, you know as, as we've been talking about it's an evenly matched game you know I mean one little play like you said uh, a bootleg play that goes big for a touchdown could be you know could be the key to the uh, to the entire game so you know it, I don't I don't think it's so much that they're questioning each other as far as the, as far as the uh, coaches are concerned but I think they're they're trying to to up the level the confidence level of uh, the offense and the defense for Del Valle. The next game on our schedule and this this. These stands should be packed. Midland Lee, they were ranked 24th by Dave Campbell's Texas football last week. Midland Lee and Eastwood. And, and Midland Lee is going to be a heavy favorite. Let, let's, just, let's just be real. But huh? 
Eastwood's improved the past couple weeks from week one to week two into week three. Obviously, Horizon is a team that they should beat. Defensively, they seem to have problems still due to the Troopers. But, I mean, offensively, Chris Castaneda is playing like the senior quarterback we expected him, Coach. Well, and he's going to present a challenge for the Midland Lee defense. And, you know, Midland Lee, if you look at their schedule, you know, they played some they, they played some tough games. But you look at Eastwood's schedule, Eastwood has also. You know, they, they played Americas. Uh, they went to go play uh, – Against uh, Plano. uh, against Plano, so, yeah. yeah. So you know they they've got the experience of tough game. Now, if you match them up on the field, you know, and things may be a little bit different. Uh, you know, Midland Lee does not like to lose to El Paso High. Nope. To El Paso teams, that no. that's that's a given. So anytime they have a chance, as was witnessed last week with last week's score. Uh, you know they'll they'll put the pressure on if they if they have the chance and so you know the Eastwood uh, and I'm sure Coach Lopez will have will have his uh, his group ready to ready to go both offensively and defensively. Michael Serrano, their quarterback, is just an impressive guy, completing 55 percent of his passes, 778 yards, 14 touchdowns to just one interception. They have they haven't played no slouches, they haven't played no scrubs. <laughs> you. you know, you're looking at their running game. Junior Shamar Davis averaging 13.3 <laughs> yards per carry, two touchdowns, and then yeah, they have a six four guy that could run like a deer. Yep. Uh, you know, Loic. Fonoji, if I'm saying probably saying his name wrong, but I mean that's a team that's this is a team that's coming in with state title implications that you mentioned earlier, yeah. Serge. And you know, for Eastwood, it's give them as much as they can, give them as much as you can handle, but also build confidence for yourself because I'm like you mentioned, they played a tough schedule, they played Plano. This is not going to be scary to them in terms of seeing Mid and Lee on the sideline. But you know, what would be a, a moral victory for the Troopers in this ballgame, even if they're now unable to pull it out? If they're within a couple of scores at halftime. It's a moral victory because after that in the second half, I think the the, the loaded team of Midland Lee is going to pull away in the second half. But if if you keep it close with that, at least that first half of the game, that's a moral victory. That that proves to you you're ready for district play. Definitely, definitely agree. And I didn't see where they were ranked this week. They're 24 last week in Dave Campbell's right. Texas football, football, but definitely a team that will going to be talked a lot about once playoff come. Definitely a Region 1 contender, no doubt about that one. Clinton Austin, a very, very interesting game. Clint, 3-0 and on the season. Austin is really kind of starting to put things together. That's going to be another one of those physical games. And to me, that's a, that's possibly a litmus test for Austin to see how far that they can go in their district. Clinton is not a slouch. This is not a game yep. that I feel... Austin should win easily. This is going to be a tough game. Clint will, be, will play anybody tough, particularly though this one is one of those run games versus run games, and, and that's going to be something fun for Paul David Oliver and Sean Murphy to see. Yasleta at Bowie, a 7 o'clock start. What's your thoughts on that one, Serge? I think Bowie's going to play them tough. Always play tough. They always they always play tough. That's one thing about Bowie that's, that's always been in their history. They always play tough. Um, the Indians got to see a little adversity uh, last week, and they, they were able to respond to it. I think the key is how how healthy Hockey Castaneda is going to be at quarterback because the, he he's not only key to their passing attack and they have, they're loaded at receivers. He's got weapons all over the place, but he's also one of the key players when it comes to the running attack because they don't just rely on on Dayton Loray and Seth Ramos at running back. They they do a lot of RPO uh, read option quarterback option and he takes off running. And if he can't and if he's not 100, percent he's not going to be able to get that many yards. Other games on the slate, Burgess at Socorro. Burgess definitely a heavy favorite in that one. El Paso at Hanks. We're on Michael, officially the Michael Blanco <laughs> watch here. What is it, 341, I believe? 341 receiving yards to break the all-time receiving yards record and only 61 catches away from breaking the receiving receptions record. So that's a 7 o'clock start surge. And 
Henry Reyna on the call on that one at the at Emperor Stadium. Riverside at Jefferson, that's a 7 o'clock start. And then the game, the also you got Irvin at Sanelli. Um, seeing if I'm missing anything here, no. But the one game I really do want to talk about is going in District 5, one five or 2 5 a District Division 2, Andrus plays Friendship. Friendship had a very close game last week. This is another one of those litmus test games. You know, you know the the spread, aired out attack that Friendship has transitioned to over the past couple of years. They always ran pro-style offenses. You know, last year, Andrus probably should have won this game. A lot yeah. Talking to a lot of coaches, yeah. they felt that they should have won this game. You know, Andrus is, we feel, has all the tools, particularly defensively and in the running game. This will tell us a lot about Andrus, like a lot of games this week, Coach. Well, this, it certainly well when you and especially you know we know they have talent we, you know we know andrews has talent but you know how how are they going to face adversity that i think that that's the big key for the, for this matchup you know la, last week or two weeks ago we, we saw andrews and chapin well you know uh you look at it on paper and it, it should have been no contest but it was 7-0 at halftime you know so chapin was giving them a run for their money uh obviously andrews responded positively and you know came up came up with a win this this coming week, uh, they're gonna have the, they're gonna see the same type of problem, and and they are gonna face some adversity. And now the answer is gonna be how are they gonna handle that type of adversity? Yeah, I mean that spread attack. I mean that trouble stopping the last week, like Coach mentioned, it's gonna be real interesting. Not only that, I'm looking forward to seeing how open the offense has been. They've been really really vanilla. You know, they've been basing off the run. You can run over the teams that they played, but Jeremiah Toski, I think, is gonna have to have a big game. You gotta get some of those receivers going. Um, you know, Jeremiah Cooper is gonna have to have a big game at wide receiver. Receiver Cameron Rice is another guy that's going to have to step up. Yeah. Um, you know, number three Jones, that that kid's going to also have to step up. So adversity is a big key, and let's see how Andrus can handle that. You know, we look at this over the past couple of years when we've seen Andrus in the playoffs, and, and that's really been their their weaknesses. Exactly. You know, they get down in the ball game, and, and it's it's game over. You know what right. I mean? So how they respond, I think, is going to be on the shoulders of Jeremiah Toski in that offense. And you know, really good luck to Andrus. That's a that's a good game. That's yep. a winnable game that could turn some heads around the state to being a two six eight team. That you know, friendship struggled the past couple years but you know that's a team that you know can probably surprise somebody in that district this year they seem improved but if Andrews can take care of business there that'll be huge for our third ranked team Andrews moved up to three some people liked them in our power pool moved them up to three that wasn't doing by me fellas I admit that that, that, that was all voters that was all voters that was not me I think the the fact that it's on a neutral site is going to help yeah. Andrus a little bit. Yeah, and it prepares them for the playoffs. It's a Friday game. Um, you know, honestly, you just getting getting used to the travel and preparing and all that. It, it will pay dividends, but you know, honestly, a win will do justice for mm-hmm. the Andrus Eagles. So the games that we're covering that you can listen to live on Town Talk Sports El Paso, starting on Thursday night, the Odessa Broncos coming to town to place the Montwood Rams, Franklin and Coronado, or Franklin and El Dorado, Franklin and Coronado. Hey, the West Side Bowl is not till late November, <laughs> night October. Getting ahead of myself, but Franklin and El Dorado on both channels there Thursday night, and then your Friday night matchup four o'clock San Angelo Central at Pebble Hills on the Pebble Hills channel Parkland at Chapin and then we also have Del Valle at Canotillo Midland Lee at Eastwood the Clint Lions at the Austin Panthers Yesleta at Bowie Burgess at Socorro El Paso High at Hanks Riverside at Jefferson and then our de facto even though we don't have games of the week but our game of the week the Amarillo Tascosa Rebels and the America's Trailblazers don't forget to check out the website TownTalkSportsElPaso.com we'll have the preview up there on Wednesday previews predictions and more check out our Twitter at TT Sports TP for the latest up to the minute scores and updates Facebook.com slash TT Sports EP and follow us on Instagram at TT Sports EP so for Power Surge Roba Lee, Coach Tony Grajava, I'm Alex Nicolás. You've been listening to the 
Town Talk Sports El Paso Texas High School Football Roundtable. Thank you, and we'll hear you. We'll talk to you guys this weekend.